This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. My name is Nathan Hirsch. I'm the CEO of FreeUp.com. What I love about the real estate industry is the combination of sales and customer service. There are cutthroat sales-focused real estate agents out there, but in my opinion, it's the ones that combine it with great customer service, really understanding their clients' needs, and over-delivering. They're the ones that have success long-term. In order to scale a business, even a real estate technology business, you need the right talent for the right task at the right time. Startups often solve this equation by hiring freelancers, but how can you confirm that they're up to the task? Coming up, you'll hear from the founder of a freelancer marketplace whose laser-focused vetting process can enable you to scale your business confident that your freelance talent is up to the task. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. So, uh, Nathan, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's, uh, it's an important conversation. We, we speak to a lot of folks in the real estate community, uh, real estate technology community and startup community. Uh, and the reason we invited you to be on the show, uh, is your lens of the importance of access to freelance work, uh, for folks that, you know, need more help when they're earlier in their company or in their business uh, with a more limited budget. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I mean, one of the cool things about the the time that we live in right now is the gig economy. You get access to people not only across the state, but across the country or across the world. And most entrepreneurs, they're good at a few parts of their business, but they're not good at every part of their business. And real estate is really no exception. Um, the most most commonly, real estate agents are not good at graphic design. They're not good at building websites. They might not even be good at marketing. So um, being able to get access to talent all around you from all over the world is a great way to grow your business. And, and as far as your customer base, uh, what portion would you say uh, are from that you know, real estate vertical? Yeah, so when we first started, we focused on e-commerce because that's my background. Um, I started a large e-commerce business back in 2008. But from there, we kind of branched off to marketing agencies and then also real estate agents. And I don't know how the first real estate agent found out about us, uh, but we realized it was a it was a good niche and, and they had a big need. And we branched off from there. So I would say about 10 to 15 percent of our client base fall into that real estate industry. And you you'd mentioned a few services earlier, but, you know. When you look at most real estate agents, you know, act as independent, you know, contractors, they're almost like mini, mini startups or, or teams uh, when they get going. Uh, what are those range of services that, uh, that you provide for them? Yeah, I mean, we offer over 100 skill sets on the platform. If you go to freeup.com with three E slash pricing, you can see a pretty nice infographic of everything we offer and, and ballpark rates. But I would say the most common things that, that real estate agents are looking for 
is that virtual assistant. Maybe it's someone in the Philippines. You can help them out every morning or, or throughout the day. Someone who can respond to emails or can even do some lead generation and reach out to different potential contacts or maybe follow up with an old lead. Getting a little bit more advanced, you might get into graphic design, editing images, creating a website and keeping it updated. And the most advanced are people that can market and build your brand and maybe even do LinkedIn networking or, or run Facebook ads. We've done all of that for clients. So it, it's kind of fun. You can get creative for what you need inside your business and hire people from the gig economy to help you do it. And, and what do you think is driving this, uh, you know, the trend of, of freelancing? Is, is it a function of you know, just access now with marketplaces like yourself or, or is this their a more do-it-yourself, you know, startup culture? I mean, it depends. There's tons of different virtual assistant agencies out there, or you can hire freelancers even that have their own team. But with FreeUp, I mean, we're the marketplace model. We've, we spend a lot of time vetting these people. We get thousands of applicants every week. We take the top 1%, let them in, and then make them available to the client. And the freelancer works directly with the client. Now, with that said, there's really three different levels of people you can hire. And this isn't a free up thing. This is a real life thing. You've got the basic level. When you think of outsourcing, the 5 to $10 an hour, they're there to follow your system, your process. If you've created one, great. You can plug those people in. But if you don't know what you're doing or you're just getting started or you haven't built that system, you're not going to have a, luck, a lot of luck hiring those basic level freelancers. Then you've got the mid-level, the people who are specialized. They do graphic design. They do bookkeeping. They could do content writing. They do the same thing eight to 10 hours every day. You're not teaching them how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're there to do projects at a high level. And then you've got the experts, the 25 and up. People who can come in, audit your business, figure out what you're doing, and create a game plan to get to the next level. They can consult. They can project manage. They can help you even create those systems and processes. So when people are getting started hiring, step one is really just identifying, do you need that follower? Do you need that doer? Or do you need that expert? And, and you mentioned the, the vetting process. Uh, is that one of your differentiating factors versus you know other, other marketplaces? Yeah, when it comes to freeup.com, I mean, I built it based on my own needs, <laughs> based on my experiences using all the other platforms. So what I did is I created a marketplace where, yes, we get the thousands of applicants a week. We vet them. We let the top 1% in. But we're also fast. We know that time's important. When people put in a request, we fill them quickly within a business day. On the back end, we have 24-7 support. I mean, my calendar, my phone number is right at the top of the website. But I also have a team of people that monitor my Skypes and emails 24-7 if you have even the smallest issue. And then lastly, we have a no turnover guarantee. We know how frustrating it is to find someone you like and have them quit in the middle of a project. If that happens, we cover replacement costs and get you a new person right away. So what differentiates us is that pre-vetting, it's the speed, it's the customer service, and it's that protection on the back end. Right. And and how long have you been in business though, so far? When did you launch FreeUp? This is year three. And what's kind of cool is we started this with $2,000. We did a million dollars in the first year, a little under 5 million in the second year. We should finish this year somewhere between seven and 10 million. And we really practice what we preach. I mean, we have no office, we have no overhead. We only use freelancers from the marketplace. All the day-to-day -day operations are outsourced to the Philippines, the same people that are available to our clients. 
all the higher level work, the graphic design, the Facebook ads, the stuff we talked about before, we hire the, our own freelancers, the ones that our clients also use. So we know that we live in an incredible time. You weren't able to do this 10 years ago and you can build your business around the gig economy. And yes, there are times that you might need an internal employee, you might need an office, but especially in the real estate business, I can't tell you how many people work out of a home office doing real estate with a virtual assistant team and U.S. freelancers for higher level tasks. And in addition to just, uh, you know ac- accessing the same freelancers that your customers use, you know, looking back over the past three years, you know, most startups we talk to see some sort of inflection point or there was a change that just where things just took off. Um, in addition to using your own, you know, practicing what you preach, what what would be something that would have you could point to that spurred that, you know, strong growth? Yeah, I think at first we didn't really look at ourselves as a software company, right? There, there's three different parts of the business. You got finding clients, finding freelancers, and the software that holds it all together. And I think at first, for whatever reason, we kind of looked at ourselves as people that match clients and freelancers together, but we didn't realize how important that software is. I mean, we live in an age of technology where people have high expectations. And as you get bigger, people expect more and more out of the software. So once we started to look at ourselves as a software company and invest more money in getting developers and creating a good plan and listening to feedback and and coming up with launches every month to make our our software and our service better and better, I think that's when we really turn the corner. And, you know, looking out the next, you know, three to five years, you know, where do you see the next wave of growth coming from? Well, I mentioned we started off in e-commerce and we, we, we definitely, I wouldn't say we've taken over the space, but we're pretty well known in the space. People know who we are, where we have a lot of e-commerce clients, influencers, partners. Um, we're doing the same thing with marketing agencies and we're doing the same thing with real estate agents and real estate companies. So those are our main three focuses right now. And depending on how those goes go, we might add in different targets. I mean, we work with clients that are brick and mortar stores, that are software companies that Um, I mean, they could be any business in the world, but from a marketing and targeting side, you can't target everyone out there. So we focus our energy on what we think has the best ROI and who we can help the most and referrals and and it kind of leaks out from there. So that's where we're we're really targeting over the next three to five years is those three categories. And if anything, we might add a category or two as we get down the line. Understood. Yeah, coming up, we'll talk a little bit more about your views on the gig economy and you know how it ties into other industries. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading smart buyer rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's Smart Buyer Commission Rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Nathan, you were you mentioned earlier is the concept and just the the topic of the gig economy, um, and I wanted to you know 
take a, a higher level viewpoint and get your perspectives, you know, dealing with not only, you know, customers that need freelancing work, but also freelancers, you know, all around the world that are now able to access, um, you know, great paying projects. Um, where do you see that next wave of the gig economy going? Yeah, I mean, over the next 10 years, over 50% of the workforce is going to become remote, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Right now, it's around 20 to 30%. And the reason for that is there's so many benefits on both sides. I just told you that we don't have an office. There's plenty of people that are realizing that they can avoid overhead costs in their business by hiring remote. But on the freelancer side as well, I mean, it's very risky having just one employer and, and a paycheck just coming from one place. By diversifying yourself and opening your business up to different clients, you protect yourself. If one client falls off, you have another revenue stream ready to go. In addition to that, there's other perks, being able to work out of your pajamas and not driving to work every day and a flexible schedule. I think people are realizing that working eight straight hours every day is not necessarily the most productive for everyone. And employers are realizing that as well. So the gig economy is not going anywhere. If anything, it's getting bigger and people are getting more creative on how they can use it. I mentioned before that we work with brick and mortar stores that, yes, they have their their internal employees, they have their cashier, their warehouse staff, but their social media is run remote. Maybe their ads are run remote. So there's different creative ways that you can create your business around the gig economy. And in addition, you find yourself not competing with all the businesses around you locally for that same talent. When you get access to people all over the world at different price points with different skill sets, with different availability and, and, and ability to complete projects, your business can benefit. And people that learn how to manage people remotely, that learn how to define projects and execute them remotely have a huge advantage over their competition. And I think the businesses that don't figure out how to do that and are stuck in the old ways and are consistently trying to hire that 40 hour a week person on salary, they're going to struggle and they're going to lose out to the people that are taking advantage of the gig economy because they just have such a huge competitive advantage. And, and when you look at the the marketplace model um, that you pursue, how do you how do you fight or push back on the skeptics that will say, oh, well, another marketplace could pop up? Um, what's your defensibility from other folks that could come in and try to pressure pressure the margins uh, on your own business? Yeah, there's no shortage of competition. And when we started this, the first reaction was exactly that. Oh, great. Another freelancer marketplace. That's what we need. <laughs> but what we wanted to do is focus on the pain points. And the pain points are very hard to fix. And once they're fixed, they're very hard to copy. And I would argue that vetting freelancers is hard. We had a, a competitor that tried to open up a similar business around us and they struggled just because vetting people is hard. We took our, eight, our, pro, our process of hiring, our hiring process that took us eight years to build and then tweaked it to make it towards freelancers. And that's what we use today. And we're constantly trying to improve it. So just snapping your fingers and creating a vetting process is, is hard. Um, I would say speed is hard. Getting things done as fast as we are is tough to copy. I would put our customer service against anyone. I mean, it, it's it, just customer service in general. Keeping people happy is hard. And doing it at a high level when you have people and businesses that you're not really in complete control of because the freelancer and the client are working together. And these are real people and personalities clash. And 
although we spend very little time dealing with issues and the freelancers do a great job, those issues do come up and they need to be resolved quickly so both sides are happy and continue using the platform. So could the idea be copied? Yes. Are there going to be tons of competition as the gig economy gets bigger? Of course. But we think that what we have here is very tough to replicate at the high level that we're doing it. And for obviously, there's the clear, there are the clear benefits of using a freelancer. Um, but what are the challenges that you know people voice with dealing with uh, freelancers? And and how would you advise you know startups to make the most of a freelancer and overcome those challenges? So the biggest challenge that I see is you have to remember these freelancers have multiple clients and every client has their own expectations, their own idea of what's good, what's bad and what's expected. So when you're dealing with a freelancer, getting on the same page from the right from the beginning is incredibly important. And this is where everyone goes wrong. They put someone through an interview. They like the person, they get them started right away, but they don't get on the same page from the beginning. They don't identify the scope, the due dates, what not to do, what's expected out of them, what constitutes a good project versus a bad one. And spending that extra time right at the beginning will save you countless hours and frustration down the line, trying to make everything as black and white as possible. After you set those expectations, there's also a certain feedback loop. Even the best freelancer in the world cannot read every client's mind. They need feedback of what the client likes and what they don't like. So the clients that have the most success Let's say that they want to build a 20-page website. They'll have the person build one. Well, first of all, they'll set expectations from the beginning. Then they'll have the person build one page, provide feedback, have the, per, have the freelancer do a revision, provide more feedback, start that feedback loop going early on, and then give them two more pages, and then four more pages, and then eight more pages. And you know what? Once you build that great relationship with the freelancer, and they know you, and they know your business, and they know what you like, then the next project you don't have to spend as much time up front. But I think that's where most people go wrong. They make assumptions of that everyone's expectations are the same. And I've been in this industry for a long time, and I just know that's not the case. And when you look across the spectrum, even if you you know expand beyond freelancing, uh, what are some of the other verticals within the gig economy that you think are doing it well that you know your customers and, you know, our listeners uh, you know, could learn from or take cues from? I think diversifying is important. A lot of people, they fall into a habit of, hey, hiring is hard. They make a few bad hires. So they finally come across someone they really like. And what do they do? They load that person up with everything, every responsibility, every project. And if that person quits or gets sick, their business is in jeopardy. It can take you months to replace that all-star person. And too many people are out there looking for that unicorn, that one virtual assistant, let's say, that can do anything without a lot of um, onboarding. And even if you find that person, it's very risky for your business. I had a situation where I spent six months, this was back when I had an office, investing into someone, training them to do every part of my business. And once they were trained up, it was awesome. I slept better at night. The business could run without me. I could take days off whenever I wanted. But I went on my first vacation in probably a year after spending that much time working with him, and he quit on me. <laughs> so all that work was down the drain. I had to start over, but I learned a very valuable lesson about diversification. I went back to the drawing board. Hey, one virtual assistant for orders, one high-level freelancer for marketing, one person for bookkeeping. So 
if someone quit on me and, and it wouldn't be the last person to quit on me, it didn't take that longer in place. I had the systems and the processes and the structures in place where it took a week or less. So I think that's what a lot of people learn in the gig economy to not put their eggs in one basket. It's the easiest way to add a lot of risk to your business that it really doesn't need. And, and as far as just, you know, uh, pivoting back to you know freelancing, you know you talked a lot about what uh, you know real estate folks do, uh, what services they use. But if you look across the spectrum, what would you say are the most you know popular services um, and the best value services um, that people can access uh, via your platform? I would say the best and the most popular is that generic virtual assistant. And a lot of people, they don't hire them full-time, some do, but just getting your morning back. I mean, what would you do with an extra set of hands from 7 a.m. to noon? Just helping you catch up on your emails, reaching out to people, handling those small tasks that just come up on a day-to-day -day basis. And you think about what you would do with some extra hours in the week where you can focus on sales, expansion, marketing, actually growing your business instead of being stuck inside it. And this applies no matter what business you're in. I hire someone and I have them do my emails from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. every morning. So instead of waking up and clearing out my inbox, which is huge, I wake up to three emails. Hey, I left these for you. Can you handle them? And slowly over time, I even teach them to handle harder and harder emails. So if you create a list of tasks that you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, and you create can create a system and process to take away 80% of that, that's how you scale your business because it, it doesn't matter how many hours in a day you work 40 or in a week you work 40, 50, 60, 70, eventually you're going to max out. And if you can't figure out how to get hours in your day back, you're going to struggle. And that applies in real estate. It applies in e-commerce. It applies to agency owners, owners. So I would say that is a great starting point. Unless you're at, you're in a business where you really have no idea, you don't have the systems and processes and you need an expert to take it to the next level. I would try to start off with that basic level freelancer. It's incredibly high value. It can cost you a few hundred dollars every week to get someone really reliable that can learn your system, your process, and help you grow this business going forward. No, that's, uh, that's super helpful. Uh, coming up, we'll get into a few personal questions uh, to learn a little bit more about you and how you're able to uh, you know, handle working remote and managing remotely. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Nathan, uh, you've shared a, a lot about free up and how freelancers are, are changing how, you know, startups and, you know, real estate folks are, you know, maximizing, you know, their time and efficiency. Um, and you've also shared some great viewpoints on the gig economy. Uh, 
But in this section, we like to discuss uh, more personal questions and understand you, know, you as a person. Um, and I wanted to kick things off uh, with a question. You know, for, for the listeners that may not be aware, uh, you know, Free Up is not your first uh, venture. Um, if you could share a little bit about your, uh, your previous venture. Yeah, so I, my parents were both teachers back in the day. And not only that, my dad taught at the high school in the town over from me. So I went to school in the, that district, which wasn't where I lived. And the parents of all the kids that went there, they were doctors, lawyers, dentists, business owners, very successful. And we weren't broke by any means, but my parents were both teachers. We, were, we lived a very basic life. And as a kid, I always wanted more, especially when you hang out with people that have everything. So as I was growing up, my parents made me get summer jobs, summer internships. I worked at Aaron's, which is kind of like a rent center I worked at Firestone Corporation, and I learned a lot about sales, about customer service, about managing people. But I also learned how much I hated just working for other people and looking at the clock. So when I got to college and I went to Quinnipiac University in Connecticut, I knew I had a ticking clock. I had four years to figure out how to become my own boss before I was going to graduate and get sucked into the corporate world and not be able to leave. So I started hustling right from the beginning. I created a textbook business where I realized the school bookstore was ripping me off and I thought I could pay people more for their books. So I created a little referral program. Word started to spread throughout the school. Before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their textbooks to the point where I even got a cease and desist letter from my school telling me to knock it off because I was stealing so much of their business. So that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And this was 2008, 2009. Amazon was becoming a little bit more than just a bookstore. No one really knew what it was. There were no courses out there. There were no gurus. And I started experimenting. I thought having an Amazon store was so cool. It was running 24 seven. I could answer customer service emails, be my own boss. I just had to figure out what I was going to sell. And I knew that I wasn't going to get access to these books forever. So I started experimenting and I failed over and over and over with outdoor sporting equipment to DVDs and video games and TVs. And it wasn't until I came across baby products one day and really branched out of my comfort zone that I started to have success. People would pay anything to get their baby's products shipped from Amazon. So if you looked at my computer back then, there would be tabs open of baby products. People thought I was crazy. I would spend eight hours a day just listing baby products on Amazon. But this business grew and it grew fast. I was running a, a multi-million dollar Amazon business out of my college dorm room. And it got to the point where we were growing pretty fast. I had to start paying taxes. And I met with an accountant for the first time. And he said, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged, like, why would I do that? The money's going into my pocket. I love doing this. I can do it seven days a week. No one can do it as well as I can. I don't want to train someone else or pay someone else. Excuses after excuse. So I, I didn't listen to him. And my first busy season rolls around. And I don't know what busy season is. This is my first time on Amazon. And I get crushed, destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. People are angry because their kids' presents are getting there late. And my school, my grades go down, my social life's gone. Somehow I make it through to January. And I think to myself, I can never let this happen again. So I hired my first person, which actually ended up being my business partner, Connor, made some bad hires after that. 
hiring college kids, which really led me to the gig economy. And that's what led me to free up. But it all, my entrepreneurial career really all started out of my college dorm room, selling books and eventually baby products. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, I didn't know there was a busy season for, for baby products compared to, to other, uh, other products you can sell online. Um, but I guess it's that entrepreneurial, you know, bug that kicks in. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, Quinnipiac in Connecticut. Are, are you originally from Connecticut? So I'm from Massachusetts originally, but if you go down my parents' street in Massachusetts, you're in Connecticut. So I was right on the border. Oh, nice. And you're currently based out of Florida? Yeah, and I lived in Stanford, Connecticut for a year, so I'm pretty familiar with Connecticut. Got it. And when you, you know, you seem like you're obviously very diligent, like you're working, you know, 20 hours a day back in the day, you know, you know, selling baby products, and now you're working on free up. Um, what do you do with all of these efficiencies? And, you know, you have people that, you know, can help with your emails and help you with different projects as, as you need to delegate. Um, what do you do in your free time, uh, when you're not working around the clock now? I'm a big proponent of working out. I probably work out five days a week. It's a great way to just reduce stress, get away from technology, go all out in something that's not business. Um, I play sports on weekends. I play um, flag football and baseball. Um, actually in a men's league. I just adopted a, a puppy. I live with my girlfriend in a condo here. We adopted a dog. So we spend a lot of time um, with him at the dog park. Um, and I travel. I, I just got back from speaking in Vegas, um, went to Colorado right before that to meet up with my business partner, Connor, and do some hiking and go to Red Rocks. We went to the Philippines earlier this year. So um, just taking advantage of what we have because it's a remote business. I can be anywhere. I don't need to be um, in my quote unquote office at all times. So that, that's really how I spend my time. And, and how does that work? You know, founders being in you know different cities, you know, working remotely. I mean, we've made it work. Connor actually lived in Florida. He moved out to Colorado about a year ago and it, it, I actually like it. It's a great way for, it's an excuse for me to travel, to get in different places, to get out of the norm. Um, we communicate very well remotely, just like we do with all of the virtual assistants that we use. So it really hasn't been a big deal for us. It's all about communication. If the communication isn't there, it fails. Got it. And you'd mentioned, uh, obviously, you know, working out and staying away from technology. You know, do you find yourself, you know, addicted to technology at times that you have to get that break or? Yes, I am addicted to technology. When my phone's not around me, I definitely um, get anxiety. But I, I have people that help with that, whether it's friends, family, uh, my girlfriend, it, you you have to figure out a way to get away. If you don't, stuff will drive you crazy, especially when every business now is just running 24-7. There's no getting away. There's no stopping point. Your to-do lists aren't getting smaller. So you have to be able to take that time and, and clear your head. And a lot of times just clearing your head will come up, you'll come up with better ideas. You'll be able to see things more clearly and execute things more appropriately. Understood. Um this has been a you know a great conversation uh, you know I think a, a unique lens um, compared to a lot of the other shows uh, we've we've done um, but as we do on all of our shows we'd like to give the guests an opportunity to you know share a final thought um, it can be a, you know look back on the conversation or you know just uh, you know words of wisdom you want to share with the audience yeah so my words of wisdom is no one has a 100 percent hiring record it's not going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. There's going to be frustrations. But if you think about it, there's very few solo $5 million a year businesses out there. 
It just doesn't happen. Hiring is the only way forward. And with hiring comes risk, comes responsibility, comes taking a chance on other people. But you have to do it if you want to take your business to the next level. It really is the only way. So focus on the things you can control. Focus on your hiring process, your systems, your communication, what you can do better as a leader and a manager. And that's how you'll have success long term. I'm there to help. If you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top. My phone number and my Skype information is there. My team and I would love to meet with you and help you however we can with your business. And I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, for whether it's a real estate technology startup, a real estate agent, or, you know, the industry folks that listen to our show, I think they, you know, it's important for them to, you know, hear about freelancing. Because I think a lot of people try to shoulder, you know, too much on their own. Um, and, you know, delegating and accessing, uh, you know, freelancers is, uh, could be super, super powerful for, uh, for people as they build their businesses. So, uh, you know, definitely thank you for joining us today. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, you know, thank you to everyone, uh, for listening. Um, and I'm Tom and real estate is your business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.